Thursday. And you know what that means. If it's Thursday, yes, indeed, it's Dr. P. And we are on the pod. Dr. P on the pod, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm always excited. You know, I really try to be excited and I try to be joyful every day, regardless of all the stuff I have to do. Oh my God, you're talking about a cup that runneth over. My cup flows with so much stuff going on. You know, I always share with you that I'm so blessed, so blessed and highly favored. And with that comes a big responsibility. So I'm just walking in my purpose-driven life and walking in my responsibilities. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, um, there's so much to talk about. Um, whew, from the collapsing of the of the highway 95 to somewhere, some children are being shot by gun violence today. Oh my goodness, somewhere, 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 somewhere somebody is somebody, many people are committing suicide. Somewhere, somewhere, there's just so much hurt and grief and pain going on. And that's why, that's why there indeed is a bomb in Gilead. It is for all of the reasons that we we look to the pain and hurt and and um and the strife that we deal with on a daily basis that drives me and drives my team. And you know, I have the best team in the whole wide world at the bomb in Gilead. We work very hard to build the capacity of our faith communities, our families, our churches, our focus is on the church. Uh, however, within the church, there are families, there are community centers, there's the doctor and the lawyer and the Indian chief. <laughs> And we bring them all together to look at how do we get into another day's journey of the grief and the pain. And I believe it requires constantly focusing on the joy of the Lord, constantly focusing on your purpose-driven life for me and what I believe God calls me to do, to be a servant, to be uh, a compassionate server. And, and that's why we do this at the bomb in Gilead. We, we provide programs and capacity building and we're addressing policy issues in DC. And we're looking at, we just a, a few weeks ago did our memory Sunday, which was just fun, was just, was just phenomenal, just phenomenal, you know, addressing Alzheimer's. And uh, we have our Southeast Diabetes Faith Initiative um, that works in, you know, five, six states. Um, all of that. You know, we're working on peripheral artery disease. Uh, and it's like it's endless. It's endless when we think about all the ills and struggles that that we as African-Americans address every single day. 
it seems to be endless, but we cannot go through the abyss of the endlessness. We must always reach up higher for the joy, reach up higher for the happiness, especially those of us who are servant leaders. I know that you have been to our website, and if you haven't, you need to go to our website, uh, bombingilead.org, and make sure that you are getting all of our resources. Make sure that you get our Sunday morning health coin that comes out every week, that you are will be there with us at one of our road map stops. We're getting ready to get on the road, getting ready to get on the road, and you don't want to miss us. I'm going to be there looking for you looking for you and um you may make sure you have you are there at it all any any and all the stops you can make so please go to the website uh because we are excited you know um charlotte atlanta charleston south carolina Birmingham, uh richmond virginia we are coming to you and i want to see you there and then of course we're getting ready for the finale of the year Healthy Churches 2030, and this is our 10th year. Wow, time is going by so fast. It's our 10th year, November 13th to the 16th. It's going to be virtual again because we want to reach as many people as we possibly can. That's why I'm coming to our five-city tour where I can touch you and hug you and bring public health and faith together in live in person because we're going to do that this summer and then we're going to go virtual for the end of the year at the 10th annual healthy churches so keep your faith up because those of us who are chosen to be servant leaders we have to keep the joy flowing uh and and keep the keep the faith flowing so that's what we got to do that's what i'm all about in this moment because indeed there is a bomb in Gilead. Yes, indeed. It's Thursday, family. It's Thursday, and therefore, it's Dr. P, your girl, on the pod. Well, family, my guest today, talking about servant leadership, my guest today is Zena Regis. Oh, yes, indeed. She serves as the Faith Engagement Manager at Compassion and Choices, the nation's oldest, largest, and most active nonprofit working to improve care, expand options, and empower everyone to chart their end of life journey. Ha <laughs> servant leadership indeed. Zena served as a hospice chaplain and grief care coordinator for almost a decade. Zena also serves on the faculty of Columbia Theological Seminary's Older Adult Ministry Certification Program. And she has a whole lot of training uh, under her belt. Uh, she is also a playwright and her latest work, A Free Black Woman's Guide to Death and Dying, 
which was selected for the Scrincinity, I know, I know I just messed up that word, Theater's Arts Incubator Project and premieres and premiered in May of 2022. Miss Zena Regis, I'm so glad <laughs> to have you on the pod today. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I have just always been a huge fan of what you do and just your leadership and your vision around improving health outcomes and just just your spirit and all that you bring. So thank you for letting me be here today. Well, thank you. Well, you know, this is a very important topic because a matter of fact, a friend of mine just called me about three days ago and was asking me about just this topic, advanced care planning. Uh, her um, her husband's parents are both in their 90s and and uh, living in Ohio. Uh, and um, it's just it's just wonderful that uh, I'm gonna make sure that she and everybody else uh, gets make sure she listens to this podcast. So let's get started because this is there's so much to talk about. Let's start with this question. What is the value of advanced care planning? Let's start right there. Yes. So as you read in my bio, my background was uh, I was a hospice chaplain uh, for almost a decade. And so as a little seminary student right out of seminary, starting my residency in hospice, I thought, okay, once we get to hospice care, all of the decisions and logistics are made. We just get to talk about faith and forgiveness and reconciliation and all of those things. Uh, but what I found is that so many people are not able to be present for this really holy space in our life um, because there are just so many decisions to be made. And so families are families and um, patients are in the midst of resolving all of these legal and medical and um, just all of those questions at the end of life. And so there is just so much power. And then I saw the families that had done this work. And so they were able to truly be present for this holy and sacred time because they had a lot of peace by knowing that they had made decisions beforehand. And so I am all about the the peace that it gives when we do some of this planning beforehand so that we don't have to do it all in the midst of a crisis. So why why is it important for communities, especially African-American communities, why are we hesitant to have these conversations and how do we start these conversations? Yes, I think there are so many reasons that we are hesitant and to, to begin the conversations. And a lot of those are systemic reasons. I just was at, um, I just was with a congregation this week who did a wonderful empowerment cere- uh, seminar around advanced care planning. But all of the questions were about the legalese that happens, the kind of jargon that is in this process. So there are so many systemic barriers. One state will have different regulations and requirements for for another state. And so there are just so many. So that can be so starting there, that can really be just bring a lot of hesitancy. Like, how do I even begin the conversation? And then also it's about mortality. It can be really difficult to talk about mortality of ourselves and the people we love. My 
dad, I've been working in hospice for so long, but when my dad wanted to have these conversations, there was a part of me who was like, "Uh uh-uh, you're going to be here forever. So we don't need to talk about this. But I knew practically that that was not the case and that there are so many that the outcomes are so much better when we have these conversations. And so um, how we start these conversations and overcome the hard to talk about parts are leading with our stories. Uh, a lot of my um, workshops and speaking engagements, I begin with asking people, where have they seen a good death? Where have they seen a not so good death. And everybody has those stories to say, oh yeah, I saw how my great grandmother died and that's not how I'd like to leave this world. Um, And other people are like, oh, I saw my grandfather and he died right at home with all his grandchildren and all of those things. So just even beginning there and leading with that story and then allowing our faith and our values and our priorities to kind of undergird the conversation. So even before we get to all of the things about uh, what do we have to put in an advanced directive and what do we need to put in a will and who needs to be our healthcare proxy, really beginning with our faith. What do we value? you know, and what are our priorities can be a wonderful way. And moving from this really individualistic conversation um, that this has become in the legal and medical system and really making it a communal and a family conversation. One of the things I love is seeing congregations begin this work. Um, One of the churches that I work with, they did a getting your house in order series. And so it became the language of the congregation. They were able to talk about it and say, sister so-and-so, did you get your advanced directive together? Or deacon, I hope that you got your will together. But it just became a part of their language and it became a communal conversation versus a very individualistic conversation. Well, how does the congregation get there? You know, how does that process start that you actually get to a conversation that's just so fluid and so open? Absolutely. And it begins with just the knowledge and the information. Um, And so that's one of the things we love to do with Compassion and Choices. And that's what I have been brought on as part of the organization to do as the faith engagement manager is to talk with congregations about how to integrate this as part of their ministry. I talked to so many clergy and faith leaders who are like, I really would love for people to have these conversations beforehand because in their role so often they are having to mediate conflict that's been caused because these decisions have not been made beforehand. And so when we talk about it in that way, they're like, okay, come in or, um, you know, and let's have a conversation about it or even um, bringing in community resources. The wonderful congregation that I worked with this weekend, they brought in um, people who were insurance brokers in their congregation. Um, They had a person who worked at a cemetery that they brought in to begin this conversation. Um, They had me to talk about the advanced directive. They had an attorney that was a part of the congregation to begin the conversation about wills. And so it's just really just having the knowledge um, and because, and like I said, it can be so, there are so many barriers of access to this knowledge. So just getting people in our community who are already working in these spheres to disseminate that knowledge can be a wonderful place to start. I also encourage faith leaders to start with a referral list. So many people, and not necessarily in the sense that they have to be um, 
you know, completely vouching for all the services, but a place for people to start. Um, I've had, you know, where, where can, what is a hospice in the, in the, in our community? Um, who is someone who does estate law and elder law planning? Just to get the conversation started, because what I find is that so many people in this time of crisis just don't even know where to begin. And so that can even be a place to begin is just to begin vetting out um, services in the community. Before we go to uh, our last question, I want to go back a bit and say and ask, because <clears throat> we always run out of time. What are some of those barriers that you see within families on why they don't do advanced um, planning? Because sometimes, even though you may see your loved ones getting older, they may be sick, they and they may be sick for a long time, but there still is no advanced care planning. What are some of those reasons why we don't do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of it is just, it's just a hard conversation. And sometimes we don't want to think about mortality and the mortality of our loved ones. Also, where do we even begin? Some, I've, I was in a, a, a seminar and I asked the question about like, have you ever had this conversation with your healthcare professional? And so many people were like, no, like that's something that I've been seeing my primary care physician for decades and they've never mentioned an advanced care, uh, advanced directive to me. And so sometimes it's just not having the information or what we need. Um, also, it just can cause conflict because often like we had a at the church I was at this weekend, we had a wonderful conversation about burial versus cremation versus, you know, all the you know, a green burial. And so it was really funny because people had really strong feelings about the ways in which our um, our remains should be cared for at the end of life. And so it was even families that were like, oh, I don't believe in cremation or I don't, you know, or who, you know, it's $13,000 to have a funeral or whatever it is. And so people just wanting to avoid conflict, um, but not knowing that it's still going to come. Um, and we also just see people, even the language of advanced care planning, it's called estate planning a lot. And I so often hear people say, I don't have an estate, you know, or I don't have money or I don't, you know, I don't have wealth. So I don't need to have these conversations beforehand when it encompasses so much more than that. And it's really about how do we want to have our last days on, on this earth? And how do we want to have agency around that? And one of the things that I really think about a lot is just having tools because we really need to be able to advocate for ourselves. And um, one of the things that research has found is that even when African-Americans have an advanced directive, it is not always respected. And so that is so, that's one of the really important reasons that we have to have a healthcare proxy or someone who's going to advocate for us if we are unable to advocate for ourselves. And it's so difficult making decisions for people who... So, hold up, hold up. When you say it's you often not respected, not respected by who? Uh, by healthcare professionals. And so sometimes it won't be scanned into the chart. Um, other times it might be an emergency situation and no one's checking to see if there's an advanced care um, directive 
on file. So those, those kinds of things. Um, no one's asking to make sure it's there. And so that's why it's important for us to be able to, you know, just advocate for ourselves and say, this is what I have, you know, and this is how I want my wishes honored. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. This is really great conversation. So, 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 how can we transform advanced care planning into our spiritual practice? Yes, I think one of one of the my favorite things that I've seen in this conversation is that Jesus modeled advanced care planning, not in the way that we think about it now, but Jesus talked about his death, even when it made things uncomfortable. Like he told those close to them that close to him that he was going to die, even when they did not want to hear it. Uh, he participated in celebrating his life on Palm Sunday. Uh, he shared a last supper with those close to him. He showed people how he wanted to be remembered. And he asked his friends to pray with him um, as his time was declining. And he said to his mother that John would care for her once he died. So it was all of these ways that we saw Christ really modeling this thing of, I'm not going to be here, and this is how I want things to go. And so I look at, we look at what would Jesus do in so many other factors of our life. We have this wonderful model of what Jesus did as he was coming to the end of his life. And I see that as a way that we can just begin the conversation um, and thinking about how we wanna be remembered, how we wanna be celebrated. Who do we want to care for those that we love? How do we want our prayers to be in our, you know, in our last days? And so that's just a beautiful way to start. And also just remembering that it doesn't need to be an individual process. It's actually better when it's not. So looking at ways that we can engage our family, our community, our state, our circle of support um, into this conversation can just be such a powerful way to make it a more creative process because we always get things from other people. And so when I see people having these conversations in a community forum, there's always something that's brought up that someone didn't think about. And they're like, oh, okay, I want to add this or I want to do this. And it's just, it's a beautiful way to begin the conversation is together. Wow. So, Miss Zena, um, my last question, and I'm sorry we have to go, but we always got to go. <laughs> Isn't that something? <laughs> we always got to go. Why do you do this work? Oh, oh, that's such a great question. Um, I do this work really out of love. Um, I really, in my time working in hospice, I really saw what a holy and sacred time this is. And I really want that to be, in all the times that we can, I want it to be that for people. Um, and I love having a partner in Compassion and Choices that that allows me to do this work free of, you know, free of charge for the faith communities that I work with. I just love, I just want people to be able to think um, holistically about their legacy and their life review and how they want to live on beyond this life. Um, and so that's really why I do this work. And I do this work because also because of my family, my father, died last year. And one of the things that I'm so grateful for is he did a lot of this upfront 
And so while it was a devastating loss for my family, we also were able to grieve unencumbered by all the logistics of death because he had taken care of so many of those things. Um, and so even in death, he has really showed, I've been a well-loved daughter because he loved mm. me so much to, to put all these things in place. So that's why wow. I do. Wow. Wow. Family, we have been sharing with Ms. Zena Regis, who is the Faith Engagement Management at Compassion and Choices. Uh, I have so many emotions uh, right now, Zena. I've gone from the, the high, not, not the low, it's just that my, I'm a Libra, you know, and my scales are just flowing from one side uh, to the next. I'm, I do have adva an advanced care uh, plan. I have a, 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 a health prostate. I have all of that. Um, and the longer you live, the more you want to change it and upgrade it. <laughs> that's a, and that's a whole nother uh, uh, process. But thank you so much, so much for sharing. I want to, uh, is there a, um, a, a website or something where the family members can reach you? Yes. Um, our website is compassionandchoices.org um, and slash faith engagement. And so there you can find out all the resources that we have and also get directly in choice and touch with me. We're also planning a compassion weekend at the end of July just to encourage faith communities to start this conversation together. So there are resources there as well. Well, thank you so much. And we love Compassion and Choices. They're one of our partners doing healthy churches and we love them. And uh, and what this is why we love them be because of this tremendous, great, important work that they do. So thank you so much. Family, we got to go. I hope you got some notes. But the good news is that you can play this podcast over and over and over again. You can send it far and you can send it near. Uh, thank you so much for always being with me on Thursday and Thursdays, whatever day you get this podcast. It could be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. But I'm always happy when you push play because if it's Thursday, it's Doc P on the pod. Thank you so much. I love you. And I hope to see each and every one of you very, very soon. I've got to go. I've got to go. Love, love. See you next time.